Actor and filmmaker Ann Johnston Brown has spent the past 35 years navigating the ups and downs of Hollywood. With a master's degree in theater arts, Ann was a professor at the prestigious American Academy of Dramatic Arts in Los Angeles and is the author of several books published by Smith & Krauss, the world's largest of its kind. Her films on the subject of homelessness have won countless awards, and her voice can be heard throughout the world in a variety of television and radio commercials, as well as the audiobooks of many New York Times and USA Today best-selling authors. And now, she brings to you the best of what she's learned. Welcome to The Actor's Guide. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Actor's Guide. Oh, today I have a special guest. His name is Paul Wilson. I've been working with him for years. He is a great veteran actor of television, stage, improv. You are going to love meeting him. He's on the line with me right now. Hey, Paul, how you doing? And I'm good. How are you? Oh, doing great. I just, well, I wanted our audience to, you know, just meet you and hear your story and get your input because... You've done a lot of stuff, and, and, and we're going to talk about what you've done, and I think it's going to benefit this audience. Uh, so just tell us, you know, what's your story? How'd you get started as an actor? Well, uh, you know, I know a lot of actors knew they wanted to be an actor when they were a kid, and uh, they took drama, and then they might even have gone to drama school. And uh, I didn't do that. I wasn't terribly interested in, in being a performer, but I did like tech stuff. I built a hi-fi when I was junior high school and I was on the, uh, the um, stage crew in junior high school. And then in high school, I was on the uh, sound crew and we did the, the shows in the auditorium and we also did the morning broadcast and uh, ran the 16 millimeter bell and hollow projectors wow. to show the kids how to dress for bed, you know, stuff like <laughs> So, uh, I was, but I was always into that kind of stuff. And then gradually, just by being backstage uh, among all the performers, dancers, singers, actors, I developed a taste for doing that because that was the, seemed to me the part where, for one thing, you get laughs. And I always like to get laughs. I wouldn't say I was a class clown, but I, I did joke around a lot, got in trouble for it. But <laughs> um, that's, how I, that's how I got started. And then I just, uh, uh, what happened was I, I became a, a big fan of the kind of comedy that was just coming out in around 1960 uh, with uh, Shelley Berman and uh, Nicholson May and Bob Newhart and those people, you know, I, and um, then the committee improv group came to San Francisco, which is where I grew up, and I used to go see them every night. So I just I really began absorbing this stuff and, and, and loving it, wanting to do it myself. That's what happened. And then I was fortunate enough when I dropped out of college to be called by a couple of my classmates from high school asking if I wanted to be part of a of an improv workshop that was just beginning in San Francisco. So I did. And wow. the rest is, uh, well, I don't know if it's history, but it's certainly biology. So. <laughs> well, you so you're a lot of your experience uh, or your training really came up through improv. Is that what is that, you know, where you got your your foundation? <laughs> If you mean, uh, did I learn in the gutter? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, it's true. I learned. I mean, it's. I think it's, well, in the first place, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So uh, you're a little braver maybe than you would be otherwise. Yeah. It took me a long time to develop a good, solid, useful feeling of stage fright. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I was pretty comfortable on stage. And and I mean, you can get too comfortable on stage. That's the problem. And then everybody else is comfortable enough in the audience to go to sleep. Oh, but, no. uh, 
<laughs> but fortunately, I was also learning how to do it. So by about 10 years after I started, I think I was pretty good at it. And, uh, and, I, and I, my group, which was called the Pitchell Players in San Francisco, moved to Los Angeles in 1974 and uh, broke up a couple of years later. But I, that's how I got started. And so you, you, yeah, okay. So you moved with the group to Hollywood and you just, and you just basically stayed there. So did, okay, how did you transition from improv into, I'm assuming you, you went into television? Well, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to, uh, well, in the first place, I knew people from the committee in San Francisco and a lot of them were, um, Involved in this, uh, what's well, called a looping group at the time. It's ADR, Automated Dialogue Replacement, mm-hmm. post-production sounds, crowd scenes, and, and dialogue replacement stuff. Uh, and I got into a group, uh, and that was my income for the first several years that I was here. And it was only maybe ten to fifteen years later that I started getting enough on-camera work that I wasn't able to do the voice work anymore because I wasn't available too often. You know, right. Um, but that's that's how I got into getting paid to act. Right. But I also I joined another improv group <laughs> called Off the Wall, which is still going in, oh. in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And um, I became a member of that group. And several people went off to become writers in the uh, in the sort of the Gary Marshall orbit. So so I got some work then in in those shows. And you know, did Laverna Shirley and a. a other shows that no longer exist, and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I, that's really how what got rolling. It was just, it was, in other words, it wasn't because I was I was smart, ambitious, focused, or anything, or even more talented than other people. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Well, and, now you're uh, not giving yourself you know, enough credit. <laughs> oh, Paul, I t- mean, you're one of my favorites. You have to be. I just, I'd say the main thing that people have to. If they want to make a career in, in show business, they have to be out there, right? Doing something because there's so many people who are competing for the same relatively small number of jobs right. that that you've got to make yourself known one way or another. You know? Well, now did uh, so obviously though, and and I I talk a lot on the show about networking and the fact that you, like you're yeah. saying, get out there, start doing something, do you know, be there, and you're making connections, and and that's kind of what you're saying, isn't it? You know, for the, the you know, off the wall was the house group at the Improv in Hollywood for 14 years, wow. from 1980 to 1994, and uh, I would say that was the period of time in which I got the most work. I got was by being out there every Monday night, and then getting work from that, and then getting work from the work that I got from being there. It's a kind of, uh, you know, reaching a critical mass. And then, right. you know, eventually, unless you become a big star, it starts to taper off and you get less busy. And pretty soon you're really not doing very much anymore. But by that time, you're old ah. and you'd rather not be doing it. Anymore. But let's. I, mean, I, was a, I imagine I die with my spurs on, but uh, frankly, <laughs> uh, I don't like to go to auditions anymore because you have to walk too far from your car. You know. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that parking in, in L.A., I'm not even going to get into that. Well, you know where the uh, audition is because there are all the no actor parking signs. Exactly. That's true. Well, uh, yeah. well, and you know, these days since the pandemic, uh, I was just talking with someone else uh, on I was interviewing someone else. And we were talking about the, the fact that everyone is, is doing on tape uh, auditions now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me, uh, how did you, obviously, at some point, you had to get an agent, right? And, and, and what was your process for doing that? Well, in San Francisco, where I did get a little work before I moved down here, uh, we opened our first show in 1966. Um, there was a woman named Ann Brebner who had an agency that was essentially a combination of casting director and and talent agents. Uh-huh. So she would at least be a consultant. All the film companies would would come to her. Right. And she would call her, her clients that she, that she thought was right for them. So uh, so I, and I did a lot of, not a lot, but a lot of the work that I did, almost all, was um, radio commercials. So I, I made a few thousand a year from that for several years, but I wasn't going to get terribly far with that. Um, and uh, and it was only when, when I when I told my agents and several other of their clients who were also in the Pitchell Players said they were going to move to Los Angeles. Say, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now, how did you get, uh, for instance, okay, uh, most people will, will see your picture on the website. They're going to know who you are. You you were on Cheers. You were on It's Gary Shandling's show. I mean, uh, so many other things, but those were those were long runs for you. How did you get those jobs? Well, um, It's Gary Shandling's show, uh, Gary, when he decided to become a stand-up, which was back in the mid-70s, yeah. uh, after being a, a, a sitcom writer, um, came to some workshops that were being run by the director of Off the Wall, a lady named uh, Devira Marcus. Mm-hmm. And she gave Gary an opportunity to try his material in front of this class, which, which there were about 15 and 20 members. So there was an actual audience there. And um, so that's how he started working on his stand-up. And I'm sure he did clubs, too. But this was a sort of a friendlier, more casual uh, environment. And also, uh, Dee was a director. So she could give him um, assistance in, in putting his, you know, in shaping his, his act. Right. Um, so when he got, uh, when he started working uh, in TV, he was doing a show called Elephant Parts, which was, or no, I'm sorry, TV parts. Michael Nesmith had done a film called uh, Elephant Parts. You know, the guy from The Monkeys. Oh, sure. Yeah, and uh, and he got a TV uh, series called TV Parts, and Gary was on it, and, 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 and. <laughs> and he called and asked if I could be, uh, if I could play a Mercedes mechanic on the show. And I said, sure, I'd love to. Uh, but then for some reason, I, I couldn't do it because I was committed to something else or something. But then... When he was putting together a uh, a faux twenty fifth anniversary special, a la the you know Tonight Show on Showtime, uh, he called me and asked if I'd be interested in auditioning for that. And I said sure. And I came in and it was for a the part of a a sad clown, something like that. <laughs> and uh, and after the audition, he said, you know, would you be this? Would you like to be the sidekick? And uh, and that's really how I got. Gary, yeah. and that was a lot of fun. We have a lot of that stuff, and um, oh man, uh, it's called Gary Shandling's 25th anniversary show, yeah. and it's out there, you know. But uh, and then Alan's wife Bell came from New York and and started working with Gary, and that's how they got together. No, oh. um, so and then uh, then it was it's Gary Shandling's show, you know. And I was doing other stuff at the time too, but you know, he wanted me to be on that show, and uh, I didn't get the part that uh, he had me in mind for, but I got. You know, I got another part. So, Leonard um, Smith was your character 
on there, right? Leonard Smith, and they, they let me choose my name. Oh. I chose that name. You did. But I did little did I realize that, that there was a group called the Leonards and a group called the Smiths at rock groups, you know. Yeah. So. Oh, that's funny. Anyway. That's fun. That's interesting information. You chose your own name and how you. What about Paul uh, Paul Crapins? I mean, what about the Cheers uh, role that you had? I mean, how did that come about? Well. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I knew uh, George and, and his wife Bernadette. Bernadette is in off the wall, mm-hmm. and, I, and I met George when he and Bernadette came out from Chicago, and uh, so I knew him before. Cheers, uh, and uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with my being on Cheers, oh. but um, uh, so I, I went and I read for a, a guest shot in the first season, toward the end of the season, yeah, and uh, um, and I got the part. And did it, and I just recently saw it again in a rerun. It was an episode in which um, Coach says he's met this guy who knows all the lyrics to the theme song of Bonanza. Oh, <laughs> I remember this one, yes. Yeah, well, that was me. And uh, Oh, my gosh. So, and, I, and the funny thing is I couldn't remember. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Because <laughs> I'm terrible. Yeah. I'm terrible with lyrics. And George said, you know, this could be a continuing thing. You know, the lyrics always said, George, please don't condemn me to a lifetime of... <laughs> oh, no. That would be your curse. That would be your hell. Oh, yeah. But, but it but, was... you know, one reason I was there is that right after it's Gary Shandling's show ended, I was in a bookstore, and um, Bill Steinfellner and Sherry Eichen, our world friends of mine from the, the Groundlings, uh, were in there too, and and Sherry said, "Would you like to be on Cheers now that you're not doing Gary Shandling anymore?" So that was that was after I did Shandling. I couldn't do Cheers for the four years that Shandling was working. Right. But uh, so I said, "Yeah," and uh, and that's and that's the beginning of. Uh, Three pretty terrific years for me at Cheers. Oh yeah. yeah, it was just so. I mean, you you added uh, something that they were missing, and I think I, I wish you'd have been there the whole run of Cheers, uh, but they only discovered you too late. Well, they did. You know, they said somebody, some people said uh, the vague people. Um, that if they'd gone one more season, I would have been a regular. Oh. I was getting better money, but I, but I never had a I never had a deal. But uh, even so, <laughs> but you you so also ready. then uh, you appeared in other shows that referenced Cheers. Uh, did didn't you do a Frasier episode or? Yeah, there was sort of a a, a, a Cheers reunion Frasier episode, which he which which Kelsey Kelsey was very uh, possessive about the difference between. His sense of humor and the Cheers sense of humor. Oh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. and he didn't want this to be a Cheers reunion. He wanted it to be a, a Frasier episode. Okay. So, and I mean, this is all in you know all in good uh, spirits. You know, not, sure. Nothing, no anger about it. Just he was determined that it would be his kind of show. Right. Right. You know. So, so while there were several people from Cheers on there, it wasn't strictly speaking a reunion show, but but yeah, it was a reunion of the people certainly, and sure. it, was, it was fun. It was fun to do. Um, yeah. Well, you'll always be known as Paul from Cheers. I mean, uh, so many people, you know, I'm sure recognize you on the street, right? Well, not so much anymore because I've changed. <laughs> you have but, not uh, changed. You look exactly I said, the well, same. I changed. I certainly changed clothes, but uh, <laughs> I wonder if I guys at least. No, I, I you know. Um, yeah, I, I got a lot of it right after the show. Right. Year. And uh, and the problem for me was, well, like when I would walk around with George, uh, people yes. would say, Norm! And he'd know. Yes. But he didn't know him, but he recognized 
TV. I would yeah. walk around with people and go, Polly, and I wouldn't know whether it was a friend of mine or somebody. Uh, I know, um, right? I call you Polly. I I yeah. Well, I mean, no, I mean, it's not the Polly or Paul or anything. It's just the oh, Craypens. You want to know about Craypens? Oh yeah. Uh, Craypens was the birth name of of one of the show's writers, oh. uh, Dan O'Shannon. Um, okay. He uh, can we use four letter words on this podcast? Yes, now? you can. I was sparingly and only with justification, but but uh, the, so my character's name was Craypens, which was I say Dan O'Shannon's original name. But the reason for that was that when he went to his uh, high school reunion, his twentieth, I guess, years ago, they brought him. He's this very successful guy, writer for Cheers, you know, himself, went to Harvard, and said, blah, blah 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 blah. So he gets up, ready to speak, and the guy, the guy in the crowd says, "Fuck you, Craypens." <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's funny. That's funny. And then, yeah, of so course. That's why I became Paul. So I was also uh, on, on the uh, show that, um, that, uh, that a couple of the Cheers writers created uh, called Pigsty. Uh-huh. I played Officer Craypence. And then oh. on another show that they created with uh, Bob Newhart. And, um, oh, God, my memory's going. You know the guy from Taxi? Uh, uh, Judd, uh, Judd Hirsch, or Hirsch, yeah, Judd Hirsch. Okay. Uh, who, by the way, was really I really enjoyed it. Anyway, oh. so I was I was uh, deputy Cray Pants on that show. Wow, that was just your. Yeah, so, you should just change yes. your name, huh? <laughs> no, I, I think I changed it to O'Shannon. You know, O'Shannon. Yeah. Well, now you've done so much. Tell me what yes. your favorite job was, though. I mean, it doesn't even have to be one that that maybe uh, was your most popular one. Uh, but what was your favorite? Well, I don't know about favorite, but, you know, uh, back in around 1980, a little bit before and a little bit after, I got hooked up with this uh, German low-budget film director and um, did a couple of movies, one called Rainwaves mm-hmm. with a uh, star-studded cast, Peter DeLay, um, uh, Vera Miles, uh, mm. Tony Curtis, wow. uh, and me, I'm Paul Wilson, uh, <laughs> and that was a trip. Then we we made a movie in Wisconsin called The Devonsville Terror that was supposed to be set in New England. Uh, and uh, I had to drown in a swamp, a real swamp, an almost real drowning. Oh, my gosh. In November in northern Wisconsin. Uh, but the thing is, when you work on a movie like that or movies like that, you learn a lot about the craft of making movies. There's a skeleton crew, and, uh, and because there are no stand-ins, you're there on the set almost all the time. Oh. So you're watching. And in my case, I was always fascinated by that stuff anyway. So I really learned a lot about the technical aspects of, of making movies and television, which I think made me a better actor, too. Wow. Not only better, but also more able to accommodate myself to the needs of uh, the technical needs, you know, so that I didn't get in the way. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, so you were... Oh, but that's you, my favorite job. No, I'm sorry, you did ask me about my favorite I job. I did. Yeah, I think I think my favorite job was... Um, it's Gary Shandling's show. Yeah, yeah. It was Just such a It was so different. And, yeah, and, and I was really... Uh, I really felt like an integral part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also they were just... We, had, we did this, you know, I got involved in the star thing. For a change, yeah. <laughs> you know the, uh, the the dinners, the the affiliates things, and the yeah. uh, you know the, the TV guide stuff, and that was fun. Yeah, um, and a little bit later in Cheers, but not so much until the very end. That you really feeling like part of something that will make. I mean, I was sitting at Farmers Market in LA one day, 
and uh, uh, behind me I hear this voice, Master Wilson. I turn around and it's these two like red cheeked nineteen year olds from from Glasgow <laughs> who watch the Scared Family show in Scotland oh, and love the show. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> That is so yeah, cool. So, and, you know, not many people watch the show, but they really watched it, you know. Oh, well, <laughs> I loved the show. Well, uh, and I and I can see why that was your favorite experience, um, and it was certainly mine for you. Uh, and you and I, we we actually played husband and wife uh, in, a, in a theater production. And I've never asked you, but that's how you and I worked together was in theater. How much theater experience have you had in your career? I am a member of the Antias Company in oh. Los Angeles. And I've, I've, you know, productions with them and some, also some projects and things like that. But uh, um, Im- improvisation is my f- is my first thing. Yeah. It's the thing I'm the best at. I think I'm a good actor, but I, but I'm really uh, I'm really more of an improviser because um, I don't have a lot of technique. Things that are easy for trained actors mm-hmm. are like entering a room. <laughs> They're more difficult for. <laughs> well, you know, you know uh, uh, well, uh, you know, as an actor, and here's here's a question because you are an improv actor. Uh, you 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 improvise all types of people. I'm sure in your improv shows. What about type casting? Uh, have you ever been typed out, or 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 are you capable, or do you get cast for everything? And what do you what do you think about typing? I, well, I think I, I, I have limited my my range uh, physically, but you know, there was one time I went to read for a commercial, uh, and it was either when or right after its Gary Shandling show was working, and um, this this was for the to replace the um, the Dorito commercials that had been featuring Avery Schreiber. They were going to get a new uh, I don't know whether it was going to be the Frito Bandito still or not a Dorito Bandito, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were starting a new campaign, and I was the prototype. I got to the audition. I see Paul Wilson type. Oh my gosh! So I so I called uh, my agents and I said, "Well, you know, it says oh my <laughs> Paul gosh. Wilson type. Should I really stay here and audition, or should we negotiate?" Oh you my know? goodness! That's and they fun. said, "Well, you know, stay there, stay there, and uh, you know, read for it." And uh, you know, I didn't get a call back. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! They wanted your type, but they didn't want you. <laughs> Yeah, right. So oh. that, they, they said that. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, I mean, my gosh, that you, I'm sure you have a, 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 a lot of uh, stories like that, because I tell you what, I, we always talk on this show about, about I don't care how long you've been in the business, how many jobs you've had, rejection is a huge part of it. And you have to get almost, you almost have to become, uh, you know, numb to it. Oh, listen, even uh, I'm sort of telling a story secondhand now, but I think it's pretty accurate. My writing partner, uh, a fellow named Peter Elbling, uh, was at a store one day and he, or he was working with Dick Van Dyke on something. That's what it was. And there was a rumor there's going to be a Broadway revival of some big show. And they were saying that, uh, you know, Dick Van Dyke was rumored to be playing the lead. Yeah. They were going to use Dick Van Dyke. But Peter ran into him one day and, and, and uh, he said, oh, I understand you're going to be doing this so-and-so. And so and so said, no, 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 they're just using me to get this other guy. Oh, my you know? gosh. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, a, it's a tough business. Yeah. It really is. What is yeah. your advice? I mean, we've got a lot of people listening uh, to this show, most of whom are just starting out. And what would be your advice if you could just put it in a nutshell? Well, I have to say that I, I used to say, um, if you have a friend who's 
finding a work and wonders what he or she should do and try what getting an agent like I said, I said just tell them not to ah! uh, you know oh, no. stay be funny at work you know yeah um, and that's 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 i think and the thing is you you can't know yeah honestly and and if you if you have the temperament mm-hmm. uh not necessarily the money in the bank because i didn't have money in the bank i didn't have the temperament either i didn't even intend to be an actor so mm-hmm. i'm really not i'm really not in that bag but but if somebody really says i want to be a comedian or i want to be an actor then just do it but at some point you might have to be willing to say, uh, I got to alter my dream. Yeah. Or at least, you know, I don't know, figure out yeah. some way to achieve the same kind of feelings without that particular. I don't know. It's tough. I honestly, everybody's in the first place. Everybody, everybody's success story is different. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's very hard, therefore, to give advice to anyone else. Uh, except, well, would you, you know, mm-hmm. be, be as good as you can. Be as good as you, you can know. and probably just have fun and, and try. Uh, I've had a lot of people say, don't don't take yourself so seriously. And, uh, you know. Yeah. Don't, mm-hmm. don't try to be some other performer. Don't try to. Right. You know, don't model yourself. I mean, you might have a you can have a you can have a model, but right. don't try to do it the way they do it. You've got to do what you do. Right. You know, or else it's going to be inauthentic, right? And and look at your story. I, I've I've interviewed uh, quite a few people now, and and your story is so different from from uh, others that I've talked to who've been in the business a long time. Uh, you know, but yeah. this is uh, this is great advice, though. Really, it's just uh, you know, be yourself, follow your heart. Don't try to duplicate somebody else's path. Um, and right. you know, be honest with yourself too. You know, that, that's, I, I, I know that you probably done that and, and, and improv, you just said it, you know, improv's your thing, even though you're most known for these shows that we've been talking about, um, improv is your thing. I love it. You know, well, the thing is, except for a few venues, there are very few ways for people to make money from improvisation yeah, right. per se. But what a great way you to know, get your, no. your training, you know, you, you, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Playing in the moment. Yeah. Well, Paul, we have run out of time, if you can believe it. My goodness, this has been so enlightening. I mean, I know you personally, but I did not know this story. This was good stuff, and I, I am just so grateful that you let me talk to you today. And by the way, do, 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 do your, your podcast listeners know how good you are and how much you've done? Oh, boy. Well, we don't want to talk about anything I've ever done. <laughs> Oh, you're so sweet, Polly. I love you to death. I really do. I'm so glad that I know you and have been able to, and had the honor of working with you. It's a lot of fun. Like, yeah. And that was the great Paul Wilson joining me today on The Actor's Guide. Uh, he was our featured guest, and we have a featured guest every Wednesday. But I want to remind you to tune in on Mondays for Masterclass Monday. Uh, we are in the middle right now of a three-part series with Jamie Palanetti, who is a, a very uh, prominent acting teacher in the Hollywood area. Uh, he has written a new book called Acting as an Art Form, and it has just been so exciting to get his uh, input on uh, how to get the most of of your role, whatever role you're playing, of your auditions. I mean, he's just he's got so much that he is sharing with us. Uh, and so join us uh, this Monday. Uh, we are going to be continuing with part two 
of our Masterclass series with Jamie Palanetti. And then on Tuesdays, we always will, from now on, be having a Tag Tuesday. And that's the day that I'm going to be able to share with you uh, my insights from the interviews of the past week, as well as taking maybe some guest phone calls. So if you you or someone you know would like to be on the show and, and uh, either ask some questions or just share some experiences you've had in the industry, I would love to hear from you. Get on my website, uh, give me a quick email, and I'll be in touch with you. We also, on Tag Tuesdays, will be answering viewer questions, or not viewer questions, actually listener questions. Uh, and so uh, make sure that you email me your uh, questions. Uh, we are getting lots of emails from listeners lately, and most of it has to do with auditioning, getting agents, headshots, resumes, a lot of just the just the boilerplate stuff, and 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 that's what I'm here for. I want to help everyone get the most of their experience uh, as they are trying to uh, achieve success in the industry. Uh, and so, uh, make sure you email me, and I will definitely be in touch with you if you reach out. Uh, and be sure to go on and subscribe from uh, on one of our uh, podcast sites. So, if you're listening to us right now, I'm sure you're on either Apple or Google or Spotify or, oh boy, we're on everything. So who knows how you're listening, but make sure you subscribe because that helps us out. And then if uh, if they offer to let you rate us, give us a good rating. That would be fantastic. We'd really appreciate that. And tell your friends. Send out uh, send out a message and, and let people know that we're doing this, that we have some great guests and uh, lots of great insights. So I appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll be back next week on Monday with part two of my interview with Jamie Palanetti, and then Tag Tuesday, and our featured guest next week will be Denise Gossett, Shriekfest founder. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that, guys. All right. Thanks for tuning in. This has been The Actor's Guide. Tag, you're it. This has been The Actor's Guide. For more information about Ann Johnston Brown or to join the tag team, please visit our website at ajbprods.com slash podcast.